Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So I know a lot of people really get uh, very disturbed because they feel as though there's a lot going on And certainly many of us are very focused on the war in the Middle East. And for a number of reasons. I mean, not only is there a war going on in the Middle East, but it has very wide-ranging implications that I have been warning, you know, Western civilization about for more than 25 years when you come right down to it. And so now I'm watching these things unfold and I need to be in the position as, a, as this radio host that I, I don't prophesy, but I do make judgment calls based on what I'm seeing and my personal analysis of it. If I didn't have this gift, if I couldn't analyze the news in a way that for the most part ended up being, ended up being pretty right, you know, I've been I've been right about a lot of things where people tell me, oh, it'll be the end of your career. You don't want to take that position on immigration. Well, it wasn't the end of my career. Oh, you don't want to take that position on Bill Clinton. Well, that wasn't the end of my career. Oh, you don't want to take that position on Donald Trump. Are you kidding? And that wasn't the end of my career. The only thing that's going to end my career is the Lord that gave me my career. You know, when he says you're done, then I'll leave. I don't know when that is. I keep thinking, well, maybe it's next year, maybe it's this year, maybe. And then he gives me that fire, that fire in my belly that tells me not yet. You have a role to play. And look at how he's accommodated me. When I was too tired to do four hours, it went to three. When I was too tired to do three hours, it went to one. I mean, God has made a way for me. So I don't, uh, I don't take that lightly and I don't take the responsibility lightly. So when I talk about the war in the Middle East right now, it's because it's more than just a war between Hamas and Israel. It's more than just a war between Israel and Arab nations. This is a war, a clash of civilizations. And you're watching the resurgence of anti-Semitism in places where I'm really starting to feel very concerned. College campuses... I expected that. I've seen that coming for a long time. Now Brandeis has finally banned uh, Students for Palestinian Justice or whatever that group is called, the pro-Hamas group. They're banned from Brandeis. I suspect other colleges will follow suit because of the calls for violence against Jews and the actual violence against Jews. Now you had a guy who you know, got pushed in a rally by some pro-Palestinian protesters and he died. So you're starting to see a lot of people wake up. This is not funny and this is not 
easy. This is dangerous. But when I saw a giant Palestinian flag being unfurled with the slogan, Free Palestine in Berlin, I got really upset. I mean, there's a guy named Levi Solomon who documents anti-Semitic slogans and things that happen at rallies in Berlin. He's been doing this for 25 years. And there's always been some expressions of hate against this one or the other one. But now he said he is seeing virulent expressions of hate against Jews in post-war Germany. Now, I don't have to remind you that it was Germany where the Holocaust took place. So when those Hamas gunmen stormed across the border into Israel, killing 1,400 people, mostly civilians, in their homes, on the streets, at a party, a music party, rave party, whatever they call it, the most deadly attack since the founding of Israel, which led it to declare war on Hamas, well, guess what? This marked a turning point in the amount of anti-Semitism in Germany, almost 80 years after World War II. The public displays of hatred vary from people celebrating the Hamas attack by giving out sweets in a Berlin district that has a large Arab population to chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now, I don't care what Rashida Tlaib says. I know what that means. Slogans like the caliphate is the solution. That was at a protest in Essen. Nobody's seen that before, not, not in my lifetime that I can remember. People are living in fear. In Germany, Jews are living in fear. After the slaughter of more than 6 million Jews during the Holocaust, can you imagine how European Jews today are feeling? By the way, you cannot deny that the Holocaust happened in Germany. And Germany, its government has seen itself as very pro-Israel. But here it goes, anti-Semitism rearing its very ugly head. Molotov cocktails being thrown into synagogues and barricades burned, police getting rocks and bottles and stone and whatever thrown at them. And a lot of young people are showing up at these protests really, with kids who chant horrible things, knife in, knife out, knife red, the Jew is dead. Those children that were chanting that back in 2004 continued to be indoctrinated. And now they're marching against Jews again. France reported there were over 1,000 anti-Semitic acts in the last month, since October 7th. More than a 1,000. That's, that's an explosion. 486 people have been arrested for anti-Semitic attacks, most of them foreigners. So what does that mean? And what are we talking about? We're talking about unbridled, illegal immigration wherever it happens. France's Jewish population is less than, I think it's less than half a million people, but it is the largest in Europe, and it's actually the third largest in the world. Only Israel and the United States have more Jews. 
So if you have 257 anti-Semitic acts in Paris alone, well then you got a serious problem. And there's no like typical profile for the people who've been arrested. They range from young kids who say very serious things, like knife in, knife out, to people involved in this pro-Palestinian cause that have just gone way too far. And they are always, the Jews always are the canary in the mine. Because if they can get away with doing it towards the Jew, trust me, they will come for the next group. It's not enough. They're not going to be content to, you know, eliminate the Jews. The caliphate is about establishing Islamic rule, period. Not just Islamic rule in Muslim nations. Right now, there are Muslim nations. There are nations that consider themselves Christian nations. There's even a Catholic nation at the Vatican. There's dozens of Muslim nations. You don't need me to list them. You can list them. Lebanon and Syria, United Arab Emirates, Qatar. There's, it's, a, it's a long list, right? There's one Jewish nation. And it's a little teeny tiny place, smaller than the state of New Jersey. So imagine, anti-Semitism? Sure. Now they're coming after the Jews. But if we don't stop it, I don't know who's next. But I, I certainly would be worried if I was one of these intersectionality uh, groups like you know uh, BLM or LGBTQ, all that stuff, because guess what they don't like? They don't like you either. They don't like your morals. They don't like the way you talk. They don't like what you worship. And if they get away with this, destroying the only Jewish nation and the only real democracy in the Middle East, they are coming after the great Satan, and that's you. That's me. And that may uh, not scare you, but it terrifies me. And there is no question, really, in my mind that they're coming. They're coming for us. What do we do? You know, how do we pretend this is, uh, you know, just a, a phase? You know better, and so do I. So that's why I talk about it. Yeah, I'd like to talk about Congress, and yeah, I'd like to talk about the presidential primaries and the debate and tomorrow's rally. Yeah, I, I, those things are fascinating, and I'm watching them carefully. I read about them. Sometimes they make me happy. Sometimes they make me crazy. But I will tell you this, none of it's going to matter if Israel loses this war because then the floodgates are going to open. And once that happens, we're talking World War III. And at this point, World War III is going to be a nuclear war, especially since we now have nations who are hell-bent on destroying democracies wherever they are that are arming themselves with nuclear weapons. Some of them have them already. I mean, North Korea has them. Many Arab nations have nuclear weapons. So what happens in World War III? 
it's not good. And that's why we have to stay alert. And that's why you have to protect yourself. I just heard Dan Bongino talking about, please, please, please make sure you can protect your household. He told the story of, uh, and I read the same story this morning or like yesterday, about a man who the home was being invaded and he, he tossed a cup at the, at the home invader, which the guy flinched or, you know, uh, ducked, whatever it is that people do when you throw something at their face, which gave the homeowner time to get his weapon and shoot him. And you got to be prepared for that. That doesn't just happen. If you're not prepared, you freeze. And that's why I say, look, you know, this is not part of my Gun World of South Florida, you know, ad today, but you need to know what you're doing when it comes to handling a weapon. And I believe with every fiber of my being that you should know how to handle a weapon and you should be prepared to protect yourself and your family because you are the first line of defense. And you got to know, you got to be competent. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app, or visit the website, 850WFTL.com, so you can participate in contests, hear the podcasts, and all that other good stuff. I got a couple of speaking engagements coming up. I don't always promote them because most of them are closed to the general public, but I'm going to be up in Stewart of all places tomorrow. So I know some of you will be um, showing up to that event. Don't worry, I'm bringing buttons. Because even, even Na Dr. Naomi Wolf yesterday uh, got back to me after my show. She was a fabulous guest. She got back to me and said, I need some buttons. You got to send me some buttons. So the buttons are in my bag already. I'm taking them up there. I'm also going to be speaking the following week. Uh, well, I'll be doing a fundraiser for the IDF on Thursday here in Coconut Creek. Um, and then next week, I'll be at the um, Jewish Republican or, or Judeo-Christian Club, Allen Bergstein and Bill Petraglia, that club. Um, they just last minute needed uh, somebody to come in. They're very demoralized, a lot of the people. And there's one thing I don't tolerate. It's demoralization. When the going gets tough, tough guys like us get going. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. So we have these uh, tunnels, right, underneath Gaza. And the next phase of the war against Hamas is taking out this labyrinth of tunnels because that's where all of the command structures in northern Gaza are, which is where they control the next move. Now they're saying, and I believe this, that it may take months to complete this. They've already pounded Gaza from the air. They've already had ground troops divide the uh, Gaza into two places. It's uh, uh, north and south. They've surrounded Gaza City, and they've gotten pretty deep into the streets. Now, the Palestinian health officials keep talking about, oh, 10,000 people, you know. I saw a videotape which showed, uh, you know, timestamps and everything else of the Hamas fighters literally stopping people in Gaza from getting away. Like, didn't allow them to flee. They, they don't care if they die. I'm talking about women and children. And... 
when you talk about a ceasefire, you have to remember who you're talking about. Hamas is not going to stop and obey a ceasefire. What do you think they were in all this time? It was a ceasefire, okay? And their answer to a ceasefire was, well, let's, uh, you know, get some paragliders and go in, you know, kill as many Jews as we can in a couple of hours. So how do you have a ceasefire with, with that kind of mentality? You don't. You don't. You have to destroy Hamas. There's no question. And all the Arab nations want Hamas to be destroyed. Even Gazans want that. Now I'm seeing videotape all over the place of people who live in Gaza and who are saying like, you know, Hamas is full of monsters. You know, they make our lives miserable. Women aren't allowed to walk without a male, uh, you know, bodyguard and, and, and children are being indoctrinated into hatred and all of this stuff. They can't get away. They can't get food. They can't get water. But meanwhile, the troops, the Hamas troops, they got everything they need and they're living in these tunnels. And does anybody out there, because this is the part that keeps me awake at night and the, the thing I pray about most is what hope is there for the hostages? Now, I hate to say that because I know that we always want the best, but there are 240 hostages or that's the number that we're being told. To keep 240 people alive in tunnels, people who you hate, I don't know. I'm thinking life is pretty brutal for those hostages if they're still alive. And that's why Bibi Netanyahu said, ceasefire, my tuchus, when they release the hostages, we'll talk about a ceasefire. He didn't say we'll have one. You said we'll talk about one, but as long as they have those hostages, they can't do that. They can't have a ceasefire. And I think the world knows that, but the world just won't accept it. But to dislabel all these tunnels that are underneath northern Gaza, it's going to take a lot of time. And while the tanks, you know, are heading right towards the heart of Gaza City, they're not giving up. The Hamas fighters are launching ambushes. They're coming out of, you know, tunnel shafts. They fire rocket-propelled grenades, and then they disappear, and they come out another tunnel entrance, and they do it again. The Combat Engineering Corps were the ones who were using explosive devices to destroy the tunnels, and they've, I think they said yesterday, I said that they had destroyed more than 100 shafts. But there are thousands. So they're trying to just eliminate the military spine. And I'm thinking that could take months. Does anybody really believe they're going to keep the hostages alive for months? Hostages who already may be sick and uh, who already, you know, have been put through unspeakable torture. The really most pressing thing right now for Israel and the Israeli military is the effect this is having on the mental health of people in Israel. How do you, you know, I feel terrible for Ukrainians who have been running for their lives for over a year now. 
And I can't wrap my mind around a world that doesn't even seek for there to be some kind of diplomatic solution for this. I'm not, it's not that I haven't taken sides. I'm against Russia invading Ukraine. I don't think that's a tough call. But at this point, 14, 15, 16 months, thousands of people dead and dying. There's going to have to be some diplomatic solution. Or there will be the elimination of an entire country while the world watches. And the world can only watch. I don't care how much money you throw at uh, Zelensky or how much money uh, you throw at, at anyone. War is hell and people die. Civilians die all the time in war. And if you're going to hide all of your military rocket launchers underneath hospitals and schools and, you know, and you're going to use human beings, women and children as shields for your troops, then it's not a humanitarian pause that needs to happen. There's an, an annihilation of these bad guys. And Israel and Hamas, they're not interested. Neither one of them is interested in a ceasefire, which is why it's so fascinating when people say, well, if only Israel would agree to a ceasefire. Well, Hamas isn't going to agree to a ceasefire. They say they're not going to free the hostages and they're not going to stop fighting until Israel doesn't exist. So... My real concern, and I'm sure many of you, is how long is America going to continue to back the Israelis? I don't have a lot of faith in this administration. I certainly don't have any faith in the Democrat Party, which controls the Senate and the White House right now, and virtually controls, you know, the House. So mm, it's going to take months. And during those months, there has to be a united front. Civilization has to admit that we are all under attack. This is not just Hamas against the Jews in Israel. This is the, the Neanderthals against modern man. And the Neanderthals don't care one bit about morals and right and wrong. All they know is victory or defeat. And they've already said they will not settle for defeat. So they got to be eliminated. We, we have to admit that. And until we can admit that, and until we could say we really don't care how many photographs you show us of bombed out streets in Gaza, when Hamas is defeated because they're not going to they're not going to give in they're not going to hold, hold their hands up and surrender that's not going to happen so when they're defeated guess what happens at that point israel has to assume responsibility for gaza like they've had in the past and the world cannot be mounting protests in the street and fomenting anti-semitism in major cities all over Europe, certainly all over this United States of America. And boy, that's going to be a tough, tough road to hoe. So I, I'm, I'm very prayerful. I hope you are too. 
I'm not one of these people who says, well, prayer's enough. No, but it's very important. And fundamentally, the greatest weapon we have against the violence and the hatred that exists in the hearts of groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, Boko Haram, they mean to eliminate and destroy Western civilization. And we can't be playing, uh, you know, patty cake with them. We have to admit that they are the enemy and then we have to destroy them. And, and there was a time when it pained me to say that. That time is over. I know what needs to be done and I pray that it, it is done because until that, even people in Gaza won't be free and a whole nation will have gone the way of other whole nations that didn't fight for themselves. Anyway, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. Apparently, there was an assassination attempt on Mahmoud Abbas. So, of course, everybody in the mainstream media is like, oh, no, look, Israel tried to take out the leader of... No, no, that's not what happened. No, his bodyguard was shot dead. It was an assassination attempt. He was given a 24 ultimatum by the sons of Abu Jandal to declare a global war against Israel. That wasn't Israel. That was another terrorist group. This is the line in the sand. All right, let, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So the other uh, subject that I know I have really been following closely and feel very strongly about is are these trials that are going out with Donald Trump. And, you know, if you look at the headlines, and I try to read the headlines from all over the place, right? You know, whether it's the left-wing mainstream media or conservative media, I try to see What's the, what's the mood? What's going on? You know, how is it being portrayed? Even though I know it's never going to be portrayed well for Donald Trump, not even by conservatives, right? So watching yesterday what the media was reporting about what was going on in that courtroom when Donald Trump took the stand was absolutely hysterical to me because these, these mainstream media people really think that we take them seriously. So how do you, how do you maintain any credibility? What an awful career choice right now is being a journalist. You know, I spoke with Dr. Naomi Wolf yesterday. And look, I remember when Naomi Wolf was the feminist icon. She wrote a book years ago called The Beauty Myth, which was, you know, earth shattering. I mean, it really told the truth about how even in Western civilization, women are objectified and women 
allow themselves to be objectified and even seem to embrace or, or, or like being objectified. And she just exposed a lot of things that were going on sort of under the, under the radar when it came to the way we look at ourselves as women and the way men look at women and the way women look at other women. And she was like an icon. Everybody thought, oh, she's like the last standing feminist in the world. Then, of course, she started to see that a lot of the journalists or so-called journalists out there, and she worked for the New York Times. I mean, she's written for Atlantic, all these big, big liberal publications, very well uh, respected, a lot of awards and all the rest of it. And all of a sudden, she takes a position that doesn't line up with theirs, and she gets targeted by a Democrat government. Okay, this is a woman who was a very important part of the Bill Clinton campaign, was Al Gore's like right-hand person. So certainly has a lot of prestige inside the Democrat party, and yet when she said, I really don't understand why we're going along with this uh, COVID-19 nonsense, doesn't seem like it's been properly vetted. She was persona non grata. All of a sudden, she was a conspiracy theorist. I laughed with her yesterday when she was on the show. I said, you know, that's what they said about Noah. And then it started to rain. And certainly, most of the things that Dr. Wolf and Alex Berenson, another journalist who was the science editor for the New York Times and had to leave, most of the things that the two of them were telling us ended up being true. There's no conspiracy theory. The vaccines absolutely were affecting women's menstrual cycles, absolutely affected pregnancies, absolutely affected immune systems. This is not, it's not even a subject for argument anymore. We have evidence. And yet, there's no apologies coming to them. At least Alex Berenson is winning some cases in the courts, or at least, uh, you know, the cases are going much further than most people thought they would. But I got a notice today from my healthcare provider, not my doctor, but from my insurer, because I have a supplemental policy in addition to Medicare. And it reminded me, in no uncertain terms, that I needed to go get my flu shot and my COVID-19 booster. Like on what planet do they believe I'm going to allow them to do any more experimenting on me? Particularly when I now know that most flu vaccines might deal with one strain or another, but they won't protect me from all flus and do have some pretty serious side effects that they don't like to tell me about. And the COVID-19 booster, are you serious? I don't even know anybody who's getting that booster. I know some people who told me they were going to get it, but so far they haven't gotten it. And if they ask me if I think they should get it, I say absolutely not. First and foremost, they don't keep you from getting COVID. So what is the point? And then the side effects, look, I don't know if young people dropping dead for no apparent reason is related to the COVID-19 vaccine. But it sounds like it could be a pretty uh, pretty good, it's not a big far leap from one to the other. 
And it's time for us to say, you're not going to die if you get the COVID virus now. The odds are very good that you won't. Not only that, but since we don't know what all the potential long-term side effects are, people should be very mindful. Now, if you're a 78-year-old diabetic African-American male, you might want to consider a booster. I would say you should sit down and have that conversation with your doctor. But why would I do it? I know that my immune system has been suppressed since I had the first uh, COVID-19 vaccination or whatever it's called. It's an mRNA shot. It's not a vaccination because a vaccination makes you immune from a disease. It doesn't just lessen the chance of you dying, which is what they tried to tell us, right? So why would I do that? And, and the, the, the reason that I did the, the initial second shot was because I couldn't travel to Israel if I didn't do it. And that was it. But when I saw what happened to my husband after that second shot, I'm not, a, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let him get a booster. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. We're just beginning to find out the long-term effects of things that we've been using pretty frequently, like uh, birth control pills, right? Now we're finding out that study after study is showing us that birth control bill, pills actually lower your inhibitions. So in other words, you know, you know how people used to say, well, uh, give her a cocktail and then she'll be more ready for, for sex. No, no, no. Now put her on the pill and watch how that affects her brain. And more. These are synthetically produced hormones. When prescribed, girls and women are barely informed of the physical side effects, like hormones that you're taking may end your menstrual cycles and may prevent normal ovulation. I never heard that. Or uh, 139 women, a recent study, ages 23 to 35, who were using oral contraceptives at the time, who stopped taking the pill or who had never used the pill, were part of a study, and they had a thinner ventromedial prefrontal cortex, which is actually the part of your brain that regulates your emotions, like fear. Oh my goodness, a thinning means that you are a mess. You're a psychological mess. Nobody was talking about that. Here we are 50 years after it became common practice to use birth control pills. We're finding out that women who started the pill in their teenage years have 130% higher rates of depression. Is this good for us? Of course not. But sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And as we're beginning to know more about birth control, about COVID and flu vaccines, about, uh, you know, the, the, the statins and all of these drugs that we've just been dispensing and dispensing and dispensing. The more we know, the less likely we are going to be to use these drugs. If there's any alternatives, I mean, obviously, if you can't lower your blood pressure without blood pressure pills, which I can't, 
you take a blood pressure pill, but you monitor it. And you have a doctor who tells you the truth and says, well, look, you know, one of the potential side effects and we have to watch your levels and all the, you know, but, but just dispensing these medications, you know, big pharma is getting rich and we're getting compromised immune systems. We're getting prefrontal lobe uh, thinning. Goodness gracious. Maybe, maybe we need to apply the brakes. I don't want to live forever. Not like that. Anyway, don't forget coming up after me is Eric Erickson and following him will be Joe Paggs and Lars Larson, the overnight guys. And then tomorrow morning, bright and early, the South Florida Morning Show with Jen and Bill will be back at nine o'clock. It's Brian Kilmeade at noon. It's Dan Bongino. And then at three o'clock, my intention is to be right back here in front of this microphone. But for now, I have one segment left to wrap up today's show. Don't touch that dial. I know one of the things that we sort of seem to stop talking about when the world is on fire, as it is right now, is the debt and the global markets. But I'm watching them very carefully. And if you're not concerned about them, well, then you're a much calmer and, I don't know, maybe more rational person than I am. But the treasuries are, there's more selling pressure into this upcoming year, when you look at the debt repayment bill, the estimated interest payments on the government's debt pile just went past $1 trillion at the end of, uh, of October. That's according to a Bloomberg analysis, right? So that amount has doubled in the past 19 months. That's crazy. The Estimated interest expense is calculated by using the data from the Treasury, from the U.S. Treasury, which tells you that the government's monthly outstanding debt balances and the average interest that it pays on that debt. So now, if you're estimating interest costs, it's probably different than what the Treasury actually paid. But looking forward... The, the metrics are awful and they're going to they're going to make the path forward for the United States with all the borrowing that Washington is doing and now war for on multiple fronts it, we're in trouble and it, and that is going to affect the whole world we may not be the only currency anymore but we're a powerful and important currency. And right now, treasury coupon auctions and T-bills, are get, there's going to be increases. Deficits of over $2 trillion in the foreseeable future. This is scary stuff. It's all, it's all going to need to be refinanced. And we're kind of too busy to even notice. I listen to Lou Dobbs and, and all the business, uh, at least for an hour a day, so I don't lose sight of it. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us, tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.
The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.